Thank you, Barb. Thank you, Mark. So today, in the journey of uh, in the Gospel of Mark, we're um, going to look at uh, Jesus' interaction with a man who has a, a lot of wealth, and Jesus is going to give us the secret um, to wealth. Um, you know, maybe uh, you um, have heard, or even maybe been tempted by the some of the get-rich-quick schemes that uh, go around in our uh, um, society. Um, it's for those, you know, for, for me, I am a rather, uh, I like to say trusting, other people say naive, um, in uh, just my engagement with other people. And it's really good that I was I'm married to a wise woman who has saved me and us from many silly um, uh, schemes, but it does run in the family um, as as well. I remember my my sister Audrey, who's uh, now deceased, so she doesn't mind me sharing this story. Um, when she got her first debit card in the the mail about you know thirty five forty years ago, um, and uh, and she just thought, man, what a great deal! Not connecting, you know, that that card connects to your account and that you have to keep track of those kind of things. Um, today, Jesus brings us into what is true wealth, what is truly a rich life in God's kingdom, in God's wisdom. And as we've seen in this part of the Gospel of Mark, where Jesus is saying, this is, this is how now we, we live into this kingdom, it is again upside down and inside out. Not what we would expect, not in accordance with the world's ways and society's um, wisdom, but as my old football coach used to say, it, it's it's cattywampus, the ways of the kingdom. So we'll be in Mark chapter 10, starting with verse 17. It's on page 822 in your pew Bible, or you can follow along on the screen or whatever form um, that you, you have. Uh, let's pray together. Uh, gracious God, we give you thanks for your written word. And we ask now that indeed you would um, give us eyes to see, ears to hear, um, a heart to receive from you. And then in the power of your spirit to continue to, to transform us, um, to, to live in, in greater trust and dependence and joy um, in the richness of life in you. Speak to us. Individually and speak to us as a church and enable us to hear and respond. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Starting uh, with verse 17. As he, Jesus, was setting out on a journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. He said to him, Teacher, I have kept all these since my youth. Jesus 
looking at him, loved him, and said, You lack one thing. Go, sell what you own, give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then, come follow me. When he heard this, he was shocked and went away grieving, for he had many possessions. Then, Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were perplexed at these words. But Jesus said to them again, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. They were greatly astounded and said to one another, Then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, For mortals it is impossible, but not for God. For God all things are possible. Peter began to say to him, Look, we've left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Truly I tell you, there is no one who has left house or brother or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for my sake and for the sake of the good news, who will not receive a hundredfold now in this age, houses, brothers and sisters, mothers and children and fields with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last And the last will be first. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, let's let's just walk through this interaction in Jesus and this this man. Um, you, you gotta figure this, this man is feeling good as he's coming before Jesus here. You know, he's, he, he, he's now has an audience with the, this great spiritual teacher and, and he's gonna find out, um, you know, what is uh, the, the way to e- eternal life, the way to have life with God forever, the, the way to be sure you get to, to go to heaven. Um, uh, that, that's uh, what's on his mind. And so now he is right here face to face with this great spiritual teacher now and we know that this this guy we find out later about this this man that he has great material wealth which in jesus day and often these days we think is a sign of god's blessing he also has some high level of morality or at least he he thinks he does um, as we read in the story, when Jesus then tells him, well, you want eternal life. Well, you know the commandments that uh, um, and just keep those to which he says, I have kept them. I've kept them in my youth. Now, let's let's take him. Um, let's trust him. Let's be naive. Like I said, I am. Let's be trusting that this gentleman is is being sincere he's he's seeking after um god he 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 he's uh, wanting to do what is best to help secure his eternal um life and so jesus in his interaction with him one the first thing jesus does is say uh, you call me good do you know what that means do you know what good truly means because no one is good but God alone. 
in a way, he's telling the man right there, unless the man thinks he's God, that he's not good. That, That he, along with every other human being, is not good, only God is. And in a way, sort of make an indirect statement to say, and you know who I am. That I, you're, you're right in calling me good, for I am God. And then, as we saw, he says, now hear the commandments. Go and, and follow them. And to which the man says, I have done that. Now, how, my response when I read that is sort of like, whoa, where's this dude coming from? You know, let me set him straight. Yeah. Did you remember what you did just yesterday? Remember what you did last week or or remember these things? Or let let me go talk to your wife or your children or your mom and dad. Are you really good? But to me, maybe the most shocking thing of this encounter is then how Jesus responds to this man. This is why I think he's sincere in his desire to know God and his desire to have life eternal. Because we're told that when he says, yes, I've fulfilled those, that Jesus doesn't correct him, doesn't get angry with him, doesn't call him arrogant or anything like that. He says he loved him. That that he now is going to do what is absolutely best for him. He's going to tell him, then this is exactly the best thing you can do. You're sincere in this desire. I love you. So now I'm going to tell you that you lack one thing. I don't know. I mean, if that ha- if, if that's you, you or me, you know, and we're like, Jesus, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And I love Jesus. I trust him. I believe he truly is good. Then he says, there's only one thing you've got to do and you've got eternity locked up. Then I'm like, get out the notebook, get out the pen. I'm writing it down. What's that one thing? And then I'm going to go do it if I love Jesus with all my heart. And all my, and I trust him and, and believe him, right? And so here we are. I mean, he's got to be salivating right here. There's one thing. The one thing that you need to do. Okay. Now, take all of your possessions, sell what you own, and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and then come follow me. Boom. In love, Jesus makes it plain. And does the man respond with earnest desire and say, okay, here I go. I'm letting it all go because I believe I trust you. My faith is in you. I believe you are the one who is God almighty. You are the one that is good. So I'm letting it all go. Garage sale tomorrow. No, he responds with sadness and shock. I mean, he's a nice guy. He's a moral guy. It seems he's polite and respectful. He comes on his knees to Jesus. But what he wants at his heart of hearts is he wants to take care of himself. He wants security. 
He wants peace. He wants assurance. Ultimately, what he wanted was a blessing, but what he gets is the one who blesses. And Jesus, though he loves, he wants to give him what he needs. He wants to give him security. He wants to give him peace. He wants to give him assurance. He wants to give him true wealth. He wants to give him a rich, rich life forever. Sell all of that. Give it to the poor. That's that's a good act of generosity right there. Go and and do that. Be be generous there. And, And there you will... Be freed of the thing that's holding you back from trusting me. Because you're putting your trust there. Your security, your peace, your assurance, it's, it's there in this world and it needs to be all me. So the best thing you can do, the most loving thing you can do in this sense of generosity and trust is to sell it, give it all, and then come follow me. For that's where you'll find life to the full. Trust me. There you'll come and learn faith, trust, and love. And you'll live life to the full. couple things just from this part of the passage to consider. One is that do you recognize how much Jesus loves you? That, that, and that he loves, loves you just like he loves this man. And that he loves the real you. Not the you that you put on for Sunday morning. Or the you that you put on in order to look in the mirror. Or the you that you, you, you put on for, for others. He loves the real me. He loves the, the selfish me, the arrogant me. He loves the sinful, broken you, the, the real you. He doesn't respond and like with this man, he doesn't respond in anger or disappointment here. He's like, you're sincere. You want, you want this. You want it for the wrong reasons and you're a product of this world and you're yourself sinful or broken. But let me tell you, this is what you need to do to really come after me. And Jesus loves you and me so much. He's going to reveal to us who we really are as we engage with him. And there will be times that we gather around the world, around the word, and the response isn't initially joy and, and celebration. There is times that it might be grief. That it might be shock and amazement. And we'll see that throughout the passage. But it, it is the beauty of Jesus' love. That in the midst of our addictions, whether it's to alcohol or opioids or Shopping or security. In the midst of our own illnesses and disease. In our brokenness. In all types. Whether it's old like pornography and lust. Or whether it's new stuff like gender dysphoria. 
Either way, in the midst of it all, Jesus loves the real you and me. And he loves us so much that he will lead us towards healing. He will lead us towards himself. He's going to show you what gets in the way of you and me following him with full abandon. Just like he did this man. Ways that maybe we're, we're living for the world and the, the comfort and the prestige that it can bring and that that gets in the way. Or, or just the opposite. Maybe that, that we're living totally against the world and we're a cynic and we're angry and we despise the hypocrites. Either way, we're living for our ideas and in our reality instead of living for Jesus first and foremost. And like this man, as I've said, um, through the, this, uh, as we look through Mark, we can use Jesus as an app. An app that we go to in our time of trouble, in our questions, and we click on that app to bless us, to give us what we want. And Jesus isn't going to give us what we want if that conflicts with what we truly need. All right, so then, back to the question. How do I inherit eternal life? How do I inherit life with you? And what Jesus says is, man, you identify what are the things. And for many, wealth in this world brings security and assurance and peace. And it gets in the way from finding our assurance and peace in Him and Him alone. And then He turns to His disciples, verse 23. He he looks around and says to them, as the man goes off grieving and sad, how hard it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were again perplexed there. And then Jesus says to them, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Now again, this is a very troubling, perplexing passage even to the disciples because they had that notion that was so common in the first century that, that, that material blessings were de facto a sign of God's blessing, which is not, they are not one-to-one correspondence. And so he was correcting that. And, and notice, uh, too, and the other thing you'll, you'll see throughout history, there are a number of ways of, of folks um, trying to, to change this, the meaning of this passage. You know, um, one of the ones that's uh, famous and it was, got, doesn't, it's gotten a lot of uh, um, uh, uh, press um, uh, in, uh, in the last 100 years or so is the notion, well, the, this is a, the, the eye of a needle was a name of a gate, in Jerusalem. Have you heard this before? You know, and the camel has to get on his knees to get through the gate. You know, he's saying, so it's really, really hard. Well, here's the problem. That, we can find the origin of that story in the 11th century. Somebody brought that up. And it sort of had a life of its own. 
And then you go back beyond the 11th century, there is no record of a gate called the eye's needle. There's no story of any camel going through. What Jesus is saying is it's absolutely impossible for this to happen unless the the camel dies and turns into dust and then it can happen, as one commentator said. But he's saying, no, this is impossible in human form. This is impossible. And he gets at the core of the gospel. That the only way anyone turns to God is because of God's miraculous changing their very heart and soul to follow him. And the, the things of this world can get in the way of giving our total and complete trust and faith to Jesus. And that's in this uh, passage here, when Jesus turns to the disciples and he calls them children. It's the only time that Jesus does that in, in the Gospel of Mark. The only time that Mark has that. And he's referring directly back to the passage that's immediately prior to this one, where Jesus says, unless you become like a child, you can't enter the kingdom of God. Unless you have that childlike trust and faith in me. This is what it means to follow in the kingdom of God. And again, whereas the man walked away shocked and sad, now the disciples are perplexed and astounded, confused and shocked. And he corrects that core issue for humans again and again. Stop trying to earn your way into heaven. Stop trying to do what is impossible. You can't make the kingdom come. You can only receive it. We can only receive it. We can only receive what God is doing. We can't pray the right way or pray enough to earn God's love. We can't worship the right way or worship enough to earn God's love. We can't give the right way or give enough to earn God's love. We can't serve the right way or serve enough. We can't do it. It is totally what God has done for us in Jesus Christ that we receive. And so when we have received that fully, then we we pray with full abandon. We worship with full abandon. We give. We serve with full abandon because of what Jesus has done for us. That's the, the journey of making Jesus Lord of all. That's the journey of, of, of letting go of the, the, the things of this world that give us that kind of security and finding that security and that peace and that assurance in Him alone. And Peter then looks at Jesus in the last paragraph of the passage. He's confused. All right, Jesus, this is what we've done. We've, we've left everything. We follow you. You know, we've... We're, we're in, in the, we're in this kingdom with you. What does this mean? We've given this up for you. And then Jesus stops him sort of mid-sentence. Truly I tell you, 
There is no one who's left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for my sake and for the sake of the good news who will not receive a hundredfold now in this age houses, brothers and sisters, mothers and children and fields with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last will be first. All right, now, if you're asleep, wake up. Now, if you're sort of dozing, now go back and look at those words. And I want you to look at the list that Jesus says they leave and then the list that they will receive. There are two things that are added to the second list that aren't in the first list. What are they? All right, you got the persecutions. Says, in this day, if you're going to follow after me, you're going to have persecutions. What's the second? Eternal life. This, that you will have life with me forever. Now, it's a, a, back to the very beginning, Jesus saying, you follow, you repent, you turn from following the way, finding your assurance, finding your peace, your comfort, your provision, and the things that you turn from that, and now you find it in me. And this journey is our journey of repentance, that we're following after Jesus. And Jesus says, you, you do that, you're in me, then you have life with me forever and ever. You are secure. Now, you'll also have persecutions. You'll also have opposition because you're no longer following this way. And he doesn't just mean the raised eyebrow. With them, it was the raised sword. You know, of those that heard him, many of them died because they were following after the ways of Jesus. But that is this journey that we're on. Now, what is missing in the second list that was in the first list? Give you a hint, it goes with mothers. Father. You think Jesus forgot us dads? I don't think so. I think he's answering the question, well, how is this true now? Does it mean if we turn to him that all of a sudden my bank account and your bank account goes flying up? That all of a sudden, yeah, all the families just expand? What does it He doesn't put father in there because we all only have one father, our heavenly father. And that we now have multiplied because we are now the family of God. And my house is your house. And your house is my house. Because it all belongs to our father. At at my baptism, some of you became my parents. At at your baptism, some of you, I became your brothers and sisters. At my children's baptism, many of you became their parents and their sisters and brothers. That's what the community of the church is. That's what Jesus is saying this community is. Yes, so you're on this journey. You're, You're putting aside the things of this world. And it's crazy. It's impossible in this world. It is only possible through me that you now follow me. You're going to face persecutions. But you now gain this community of people who are sold out for the same purpose. Of following after Jesus together. And we become, that's why the New Testament, Paul uses family language for the church. 
Because the waters of baptism are thicker even than the blood of family ties. Because on this impossible journey that only Jesus can lead us to, this shocking, perplexing, confusing journey of living into this kingdom in this this world that is not about His kingdom. It takes a community. It takes a people whose Father is their heavenly Father and who recognize everything that we have from our stuff to our time to our talents to our abilities is to come together to follow Him. And that is a rich, rich life that you'll only find in Jesus. So I go go back to the beginning story, beginning part of the story, and and Jesus engaging with this man. What's the thing that Jesus is pointing out to you in his love? Say, this is what gets in the way. This is what gets in the way uh, from uh, experiencing me to the the full. You got to let it go. You got to give it to me. What, what is that thing? Let's give it to Jesus. And, and together, we, we commit as disciples, as his learners, say we are on this journey together, this turning to follow after him, and we are learning together what it means that all that we have belongs to our Heavenly Father. And therefore belongs to us together in our journey to follow him and live in to the fullness of his kingdom. Amen.